Discasters. How are you all doing today? I hope you're all having a wonderful week. Uh, let's just jump right in. Not a lot to really go. Oh, actually, hold on. No, I lie. So I finally watched Encanto, and I loved it. It was great. Um, I don't want to go too in-depth in my review of it because I eventually want to save that for when we actually do get into an in-depth review of it. Um, but just right off the top of my head, just at, for the top of the show, Encanto was great. It is beautiful. It is visually amazing. The songs are unfrickin' believable. Lin-Manuel just knocks it out of the park. <clears throat> um, it does a really good job of exploring family dynamics and like generational trauma and stuff like that, uh, which I think is an important topic. Uh, it's interesting because my partner wasn't a big fan of the fact that there isn't like a big bad in the movie, in that there isn't something huge like there aren't great big stakes but for me i actually kind of didn't mind that i actually liked that the the sometimes the big bad really is just dealing with family and yeah and i think we forget that sometimes but yeah but like <laughs> like if you just go onto the internet like everybody is just raving about it especially of the music and especially about the song we uh, we don't talk about bruno because that song is great Again, Lynn just knocks it out of the park. So just real quick, just a quick uh, little um, Encanto review. But yeah, it's great and you should all watch it. It's free on Disney Plus right now, so you have no reason not to. I highly recommend it. Okay. <coughs> so now for some quick Disney headlines here. Um, one of the big things is that uh, tickets for the D23 Expo will be, will be uh, available on... January 20th, uh, for those of you who know, of course, or who don't know, uh, D23 Expo is like the ultimate Disney fan event. Uh, it happens every year. It's it's filled with, it's basically just a giant convention. It's basically like, it's basically like the Comic-Con of Disney. Uh, it's just basically everything Disney all the time. It's a three-day event. Uh, tickets are, you can purchase them either um, individually or three-day tickets. Uh, and of course, there are various uh, price ranges. Uh, if you're a D23 Gold member pricing with an exclusive discount for one-day ticket is $89 for an adult, $79 for children between 3 and 12, three-day tickets, $229 per adult, $209 per child. Uh, <clears throat> D23 General member pricing, so probably just someone like me, uh, is $100 for a day, $79, uh, or sorry, $100 for an adult, $79 for a child uh, 3 to 12, and then three-day ticket is $279 per adult and then 209 per child. Hall D23 preferred seating pricing. Uh, they only This is available for D23 Gold member exclusives. Uh, this only has the one option of uh, doing a three-day ticket, and it is $8.99 with limited quantities. I mean, if you really, really want preferred seating, sure, but like, I, I don't think it's worth it. I don't think it's worth $900 for a three-day event. Like, I don't know. Uh, there's a few fun uh, things you get in like a swag bag. You get a lanyard, you get a water bottle, a hat, a shirt, you get your pass, that kind of stuff. So like, if that's what they're if that's what they're peddling for like the highest prices, like eh, I don't think it's worth it. Anyway, but yeah, so D23 is coming, uh, and I look forward to it because again, because it's like a convention, you basically get like a whole lot of uh, information all about it, or not just about just. Uh, d23 but about like just things that are coming from disney and it's it's fun to kind of get all that um extra info 
and uh, extra fun like uh, releases and stuff. Um, <clears throat> there will be a uh, costume contest hosted by uh, Nina West, who I guess is just now working for Disney. I mean, like, I am so happy for her. She is amazing. She's great. We love Nina. Uh, and yeah, so featuring Nina West and a star-studded panel of judges that includes Yvette Nicole Brown, Ashley Eckstein, 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 voice of Ahsoka Tano, uh, and Ali Mackey uh, from Toy Story 4 and Home Sweet Home Alone. Uh, the contest will feature new categories, including off the screen, imagine that, magical mashups, and cast of characters, as well as fan favorite award voted, as well as a fan favorite award voted on by the audience and a best in show prize of $2,300. 23 because obviously D23 and, you know, branding. <laughs> uh, of course, it is sponsored by Visa, uh, which is kind of the big thing. Uh, Visa cardholders will have access to additional benefits and one-of-a-kind Disney experiences uh, because, you know, they got to pedal to people, I guess. Uh, yeah, uh, D23 and Walt Disney Archives working with new D23 Expo Platinum sponsor Amazon, gross, are restoring Walt Disney's Grumman Gulfstream 1 company airplane. I guess this just means that uh, people are going to get to ride a plane, I guess. The iconic aircraft was seen for years as part of the Studio Backlot Tour at Disney Hollywood Studios and will be on display at D23 Expo 2022 for guests to see an exhibit called Mickey Mouse 1 Walt's Plane. So, so yeah, this was just, I guess, just Walt's plane that he would use to fly around. Uh... Actually, I wonder if he used this plane specifically when he was doing his Tour of the Americas. That's an interesting thought, because, of course, I don't know if you all remember, but like way back when during the Second World War, when uh, Walt and a group of animators did a bunch like, like they, it wasn't a what was it? Um, it was like a tour to basically try and get some of the uh, some of the allies onto or some other countries onto the ally side uh, against the Nazis. Um, this is where we got a bunch of like the um, the movies from. Uh, that time period, uh, you know, like uh, Fun and Fancy Free and uh, Saludos Amigos, um, like all those uh, compilation films, basically. So I just think it's cool that um, that might be the plane, the very same plane, and people will actually be able to see it because it was a pretty big, uh, it was a pretty big deal, really, when he did that. Uh, you know, exposing people to some of the other cultures. Uh, I again, I really, really enjoy Saludos Amigos. I firmly believe that people should be watching that movie. It is a, it was a really, really good showcase of just a lot of South American cultures that just don't usually get into the, <clears throat> into the spotlight. And funnily enough, you know, <laughs> um, now we're talking about Encanto, which is a movie that takes place in Colombia, which is of course in South America. So funny how things come full circle in some, in some ways. Uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, so there's uh, there's a big breakdown here on the Walt Disney Company website for the D23 Expo. Uh, I will link it all down. Uh, we'll link it all so you guys can uh, so y'all can go ahead and just uh, reach it or reach it, read it yourselves uh, and get as much of many of the details as you can. And yeah, uh, other little piece of a little headline that I discovered is which I just which kind of just made me giggle because I I was actually just thinking about it the other day. Um. Uh, the stock of Disney is falling again. <laughs> uh, and the reason I find this is funny is because of the fact uh, that from, and it's interesting because it's all right here, like it has steadily seemingly been falling for a while now. Um, in, in just in, well, just in the last month, 
uh, I'm there. These prices here, I'm assuming, are like per share. So like $149 per share, 150. And so like it took a big plummet on the 20th of December, and then started going up and up, kind of going up until uh, it finally reached a peak at like 157.89. Actually, just recently, earlier this month, and is now dropping again. Um, it's interesting, kind of looking at this. Because uh, this is, um, yeah, it's basically just a whole chart. Like, it used to be at 176 back in November, and then it just plummeted. And I'm talking about this specifically uh, because there have been there's been a lot of talk of the fact that uh, Bob Chapek has not been doing a good job. Well, I mean, we know he hasn't been doing a good job just from like uh, like an audience standpoint. He's been it's been awful. Um, but that this has actually been affecting. Uh, this has actually been affecting the um, the stocks for Disney, the, just how poorly he's been handling a lot of the the customer interactions and the customer situation just with everything that's been going on. Um, it's like. It's, it's just funny to me because all of this is a direct result of him. Like, all this loss of money in stock is a direct result of him trying to pull more money from people, if that makes sense. Like, it, it's just kind of funny just being, to, like, to know that we as consumers really do have power against these people. You know, we have the power to be able to be like, no, I don't like what you're doing. And so we're going to affect you in this way. And it's like, I think these big companies just forget how much power their consumers really have. And so I'm really hoping it shakes something out of him. And he's like, oh, shit, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I should stop being such a dick. Anyway, if you haven't if you haven't realized by now, we're a very anti Bob Chapek podcast. I'm not a big fan of him. <laughs> I don't think that I don't think that's much of a secret. In fact, it's not much of a secret that a lot of other f- people are not fans of JPEG. This isn't this isn't news. This isn't a secret. People don't like him, anyway. But uh, moving on to the actual main topic of this podcast or of this episode specifically, so I'm going to talk about the Jungle Book, uh, but this time I'm talking about the live action uh, remake d- done in 2016. So the Jungle Book remake was done by Jon Favreau. And if I remember correctly, this was the first of the attempt to uh, do a bunch of these uh, remakes. So like uh, this one, um, Mulan, or maybe not Mulan. No, he didn't do Mulan, sorry. But um, like The Lion King, which, boy, I'm going to have a lot to talk about when we get to the Lion King. (laughs) Uh, Anyway. Um, So my initial thoughts of this film are that I like it. It's uh, I like how different they took the story because there's actually a lot of difference in this story in terms of what they did with it and how and how it differs from the animated version. And I like that. I like it when you come in and try and do a remake of a film and you don't do just a cookie cutter, like, oh, we're just going to be doing basically the same movie, but just in CGI kind of thing, like what they did with The Lion King. 
So I like that they made things so different, like to the point where the actual story is almost entirely different, except for like one or like or like a small handful of plot points. So um, so some of the big similarities uh, from this film are the fact that, yes, Mowgli was discovered by Bagheera and did grow up with the wolves. That's, of course, a you know, that's a uh, that's inherent to the story. Um, he is threatened by Shere Khan. And so the whole thing is basically he needs to go back to the man village, right? Um, he does meet Baloo. He does meet King Louis. So, like, those points are big. Um, but then there's a, there's a lot of differences in this film. So one of the big things that they did... Uh, so, okay, so let me just go through it. Okay, so we open up basically kind of right from the get-go. Mowgli is, like, I don't know, he's... I'm guessing he's like 12 years old. He, he, he seems like he's that about that age. Um, but he's like running with his wolf siblings. And apparently this is the thing where uh, it's like a training thing that he does. He, him, the wolf pups and Bagheera all kind of do this training thing, right? Just uh, as a way for him to train to be a wolf. Um, and so he ends up like uh, with the rest of the pack and they, they, they hammer this thing in called like the uh, the law of the jungle, which I think was an interesting thing that uh, that they included. It was a poem that was written into the book by uh, Rudyard Kipling, and it is something that the wolves recite, uh, and then later on is is like it, but it's it's apparently one of those things that's just kind of known throughout the jungle. Um, it's interesting that the movie how this movie does or what this movie does is it, it really kind of creates this like almost like a, a mini universe within the jungle in that like there are certain aspects of the jungle that just everybody knows. So like, for example, for uh, this, this whole law of the jungle thing, as well as the fact that elephants are considered to be incredibly, um, they're highly, highly revered within the jungle. And I'll get to those in a minute. Uh, but for now, this is what the, the law of the jungle states. Now this is the law of the jungle, as old and as true as the sky. And the wolf that shall keep it may prosper, but the wolf that shall break it must die. As the creeper that girdles the tree trunk, the law runneth forward and back. For the strength of the pack is the wolf, and the strength of the wolf is the pack. Now I've always thought it was interesting, the fact that they even include wolves, because I never thought there were wolves in India, but I suppose perhaps there could be. I mean, why the hell not? There's a bear, apparently. A sloth bear, specifically. It's interesting that they that Bagheera makes a point of calling Baloo a sloth bear so as to specify uh, what, I guess, breed of bear he is. Anyway, so yeah, so there's this whole thing. And, uh, and they make a point of uh, bringing up the fact that there is kind of like this, there's this whole ecosystem within the jungle, which, of course, we know is actually a thing right like there's a constant balance within the jungle uh just because nature does that nature knows right and so uh eventually like it it, it kind of cuts to saying oh like now we have the dry season coming in because which is again which is a thing that happens in india you have the dry season you have the rainy season uh and apparently this particular dry season was quite dry to the point of where the river like almost completely evaporated and there was this rock that appeared and this rock is significant because it is known as peace or peace rock i think they call it and the significance is that if should this rock ever appear then they know that water is truly scarce and so there's like uh there's a whole 
truce that occurs during this particular point in the dry when it's this dry there's like a there's a there, there's an unwritten law well of course it's not written because they don't have written language but like there's a law within the jungle that when this this water truce occurs everyone of every species can come to whatever water point there is and everyone can drink water even if you have predators and prey right so everybody can come and drink the water so it's very cool uh coming and seeing it and like having like this alligator drinking next to you know zebras and you know stuff like that bagheera actually comes up and um like these deer are like are basically just like nagging at him like water juice water juice and he's like i know the laws of the jungle bucks it's very interesting like bagheera seems to just kind of be not necessarily like super high position uh but is just very kind of regal at least at least it's kind of the air that he ha- he has anyway so during this water during during the scene where they're drinking water Shere Khan appears and he starts going around he's like there's in- so many different smells and there's a new smell here or whatever and then he's like and he's like man is in the jungle because of course he smells Mowgli and so the, there's apparently a law that says that man is forbidden from the jungle you know because of for obvious reasons right and uh and so Shere Khan basically uh, kind of threatens the wolves and, like, everybody as saying that Mowgli needs to leave the jungle for the safety of not just his pack but for everybody. And so that's when Mowgli – this, this is one of the big differences from the, from the, the animated film to, and to this film – is that Mowgli is the one who makes the decision to leave the jungle as opposed to him being forced to leave the jungle. So Mowgli, or or not leave the jungle specifically, but just leave the pack because he doesn't want to put his family in danger, obviously. So he makes the decision. Bagheera agrees to go with him. Um, And yeah, uh, something we don't don't find out until later is that because Shere Khan shows up and he's got this big scar on the side of his face. And we don't find out until later uh, when Ka, because of course Ka is in this movie, uh, is talking to, um, is talking to, or trying to hypnotize Mowgli, uh, is that we find out that Shere Khan was actually scarred by Mowgli's father. Mowgli and his father were, or his father was traveling through the jungle and had uh, a fire going, and Shere Khan came to try and attack them, and so then he attacked, or Mowgli's father retaliated by hitting him in the face with a branch of fire, and then Shere Khan killed his father, and that's how he became orphaned. Uh, so that's so that was kind of a cool bit of backstory that we kind of had an answer to, not necessarily to a question we ever, people were asking, but it was just kind of one of those things where it's like, oh, so yeah, so that's how he ended up in the jungle in the first place was just for some reason this man decided to take his baby, his his toddler to the jungle for reasons. I don't know. It's just a, it, that's kind of a big, <laughs> that's kind of like a big like what the fuck thing. Anyway, so. Mowgli and Bagheera are making their venture away. And it's kind of at that point where they realize, or where Bagheera starts telling him he needs to go to the man village because that's the only place that he can really be, be safe. Mowgli is like, well, no, I agreed to leave the pack and go to somewhere else, but I don't want to leave the jungle, right? And so that's kind of where they have this big discussion. And then suddenly they get attacked by Shere Khan. And so Bagheera fights back. Mowgli runs away. And uh, Shere Khan tries to follow him, but they're but he's stopped by a bunch of like wildebeest 
uh, buffalo, sorry, like a bunch of uh, buffalo who kind of protect Mowgli. At least that's kind of the vibe that I got from it. Um, and so Mowgli escapes, and he's just kind of wandering because he he goes further into the jungle to meet up with Bagheera, who says, you know, go to this place. I think he said, like, where this, where, uh, like, where the sun hits the horizon or something, something along those lines. He's basically saying, go to this place, I'll meet you there, kind of thing. So Mowgli begins his trek. Now, unfortunately, um, so the rain starts coming back, uh, getting into the rainy season again. And so this causes a giant landslide on the side of this mountain that Mowgli is crossing with a bunch of the buffalo. And unfortunately, they fall into the river. And so Mowgli ends up in this random part of the jungle, still kind of in the same direction that he's trying to go. And then that's where he meets Ka. And Ka is like this giant, like, in the film, he was just like a python, like a regular-sized python. But in this film, he's a, like, Ka is like a giant anaconda mixed python. Like, he's fucking massive. Voiced by Scarlett Johansson, by the way. Uh, it doesn't really make much of a difference. I don't particularly care who voices Ka. It's not like it changes anything. I was just like, oh, just kind of took me off guard. Like, oh, ScarJo is doing this one. Okay, well, whatever. Not a big deal. Um, it's also interesting to point the fact that like the only person of color in the film is Mowgli. And, like all the other voice actors are not voiced by people of color because like the the rest of the cast is actually quite interesting. Well, actually, no, that's not true. They are a few of them are voiced by people of color, just not Indians. So, like, Baloo is voiced by Bill Murray. Uh, Bagheera is voiced by Ben Kingsley, uh, who's English. Uh, Shere Khan is voiced by Idris Elba, who, even though he's black, he's still English. Uh, Raksha, who is the female wolf, or who is um, Mowgli's mother, uh, wolf mother, is uh, Lupita Nyong'o. Uh, Ka is Scarlett Johansson. Uh, Akila is uh, Giancarlo Esposito. Uh, <laughs> fucking King Louie. King Louis is voiced by Christopher Walken. You guys, it's Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken is in this freaking movie. It's it's weird. Anyway, we'll get to, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, yeah, and then like a few other like really interesting characters. Like uh, later on when we when we meet Baloo, Baloo basically tries to get Mowgli to get a bunch of honey for him. And like there's a bunch of like little little little. Uh, animal friends that they have. Like, there's a pygmy hog who is voiced by John Favreau himself, an Indian giant squirrel who is voiced by Sam Raimi, and Indi- there's an Indian rhino in the film who's voiced by Russell Peters for I don't know whatever reason. <laughs> um, and then uh, Madeline Favreau is uh, Raquel who is uh, another Indian rhino. As if yeah, I think this is uh, just just some kind of one-off characters, kind of like cameo characters basically. Anyway, so. Ka is there, has Mowgli in her coils, and tells her the whole tells Mowgli the whole story of how he arrived in the jungle and everything. And then um, Baloo shows up and like fights against Ka and like kind of knocks her out of the way, saves Mowgli. Um, and then Baloo takes Mowgli and gets him to get the honey for him because he's like, oh, I'm a bear, so I need to eat a bunch of calories in order to hibernate and blah, blah, blah. So he, like, basically cons him into helping him. Uh, and so Mowgli does it because why not? So he does. and then But while all this is happening, we get some drama. We get some drama going. Shere Khan arrives at the pack and speaks to Akila. 
and Aquila is like the boy is gone. You and I have no have no quarrel. Everything's fine. Shere Khan's like, oh, is that so? And basically takes Aquila and like throws him off a cliff. He kills he kills the alpha of the pack. So now the wolves are all just kind of sitting there and waiting because Shere Khan's like, now that I've done this, I've effectively killed Mowgli's father. So Mowgli needs will return here. Uh, he's he's banking on the fact that Mowgli will hear this information because Shere Khan is asking them to spread the spread the news that Akila has been murdered, and he's banking on the fact that Mowgli will hear this and then return, and that's where he's going to basically kill Mowgli. So it's clear that Shere Khan is just clearly out for revenge. He doesn't actually care about any sort of laws of the jungle. He only cares about himself. So he's kind of a villain across the board. Nobody really likes him, which is not hard to do because he's a dick. <laughs> anyway. So now we're back to Mowgli. Uh, and so Mowgli, it's interesting because uh, at one point when everybody was at the when everyone was at the watering hole, Mowgli does something that is known as that what the, what the wolves were or what Akila was saying was called a trick. Basically, Mowgli took, uh, I guess, like an, a hollowed out turtle shell and like threw it into the water and used it as a tool. Now. It's interesting because throughout the rest of the film, we see instances in which Mowgli is uh, is very innovative and he's using a lot of tools and he's very like engineering and that sort of thing. But of course, it's kind of been stamped out of him because it's not considered to be the wolf way. Now, Mowgli uh, decides because he's basically free from all of that judgment, he does a, he does a whole bunch of engineering and creates a system in which he can protect himself from the bee stings because of course these hives with honey have bees in them and is able to more uh, efficiently get a bunch of these hives like a bunch of these honeycombs for for food kind of thing so it's interesting kind of seeing how it's like oh yeah like even because like i feel like that's something that would be a thing like in the jungle a human because apes do it all the time right apes create tools that is something we know and so it's interesting to think that a human would kind of still go down that road would still have these ideas of being innovative and creating tools in order to make things easier because of course we don't have the same built-in tools that animals have right and so that we've we we were we were forced to kind of figure our own shit out when uh before uh you know before proper innovation and before proper engineering and stuff like that you know so yeah it, it, it's very believable for me at least to me that Mowgli would be like yeah like this is how I will do this thing and do it easier uh and so it's very very cool kind of seeing that and the, the, this this whole him doing him making tools thing uh is something that's kind of prevalent throughout the film and it never comes off as like a one-off it's definitely not a not a, not a Chekhov's gun situation because it, it definitely plays into a lot of things so it works anyway so Bagheera shows up he finds out that Mowgli has been hanging around Baloo the whole time um, Bagheera gets a little grumpy at the whole tricks thing because he's not a wolf and blah, 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 blah. Um, and then kind of tells him that he needs to go to the man village, but of course Mowgli is upset. Um, he doesn't want to go, obviously. But it isn't until later that they find out, well, actually, before, because Bagheera tells Baloo that Shere Khan, that Shere Khan, not only is Shere Khan the tiger, who is hunting Mowgli because Mowgli just said, oh, Shere Khan is, or there's a tiger hunting me. So Baloo's like, oh, whatever, it's just a random tiger. is the one that tells him that not only is it Shere Khan specifically, but also that Shere Khan killed Akila. 
So now shit's getting really serious. Before he says that, we get the whole montage of Mowgli, you know, uh, creating the tools and him bonding with Baloo and becoming friends. We get the 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 river sequence and we get a little bit of bare necessities now here is the big thing this this was definitely one of the bigger differences that i found between this version and the animated version is the musical numbers if you want to watch the jungle book for the musical numbers don't watch the live action version watch the animated version the musical numbers of this film of the live action version are incredibly disappointing they exist there's only two of them it's only bare necessities and i want to be like you and both of them are not great <laughs> like the bare necessity sequence is basically only when baloo is with mowgli kind of hanging or hanging on the river they kind of sing it bill murray's he's trying he's not a, he's definitely not a singer but they're just kind of singing it and they're enjoying themselves and they're having a good time but it's still kind of like eh it's just very meh. I feel like they just kind of did it because they're like, well, you have to include these songs, right? But yeah, I don't know. I just didn't really do it for me. Um, but that's when we find, uh, that's when we see Bagheera. Bagheera finally shows up. Mowgli is all happy to see him. Uh, Bagheera says, you need to come with me. Baloo says, look, let's hold on. Let's wait till the morning. It's too late to travel. Let's do that. So they agree, or Bagheera agrees. He's like, sure, but first light, we leave. So it's fine. So uh, Mowgli gets one more night. During the night, Mowgli gets woken up by the sound of elephants. And so he goes out and he sees that the elephants are all standing around a pit. Now, the reason I had said that elephants were highly revered is because in the film, um, there's a moment where Bagheera and Mowgli come across uh uh, elephants kind of marching through the through the jungle and Bagheera set, tells Mowgli to bow and so they bow now the reason for that apparently is because within the jungle uh, elephants are highly revered because of their size and strength and so it's like there's a whole thing that he says about how it's like uh, in the trenches that were made by their tusks that is where the river flowed and so it's kind of like this whole story that uh, that the that the elephants basically made the jungle what it is right it's like this whole, um, I wouldn't necessarily say an old wives tale, um, but it's kind of like that, that, that idea that like the jungle exists because of these creatures, right? And so that's why the elephants are so highly re revered and regarded. Now, it's also interesting because in India, in, in Indian culture, elephants are highly revered, especially, uh, especially within um, Hinduism and in Indian culture. They are a symbol of uh, intellectual strength and sturdiness and that kind of thing. Uh, they are obviously uh, represented by the... Um, uh, it is a sacred animal and is considered the representation or the living incarnation of Ganesh, the elephant deity riding a mouse, uh, who is apparently one of the uh, more highly revered gods within Indian culture. So I just thought it was interesting that they included that piece or, or they, that they translated that into uh into the film itself and and kind of carried that over uh there was there was pretty good like attention to detail really in this film and i and i really appreciated that i really appreciated it for that um where was i oh yeah and so uh, mowgli comes out he sees the elephants he bows to the elephants 
Um, and then he approaches and he, and then he sees something in the pit. And so he runs back, he collects a bunch of these vines that he had made and collected and, and formed into effectively rope. And so he runs out, uh, and then, uh, Bagheera and Baloo see him and they follow him and, uh, Bagheera's freaking out and Baloo's like, even I know that you like, even I wouldn't tell him to mess around with elephants. Like that's just not a thing because again, within the jungle, elephants are highly revered amongst amongst all creatures and so uh they see Mowgli basically jump into the pit and then moments later they see that he climbs back out and an elephant calf is being pulled out of the pit and so Mowgli basically helped in using his in using his tricks and his tools basically save the life of this baby elephant and uh yeah and so it's it's interesting because again that plays into something later on in the film so uh, the big thing that I really liked about this movie was that there were things that happened within it that all kind of paid off in the end. Like there weren't really hanging, uh, like just, you know, well, for lack of a better phrase, there weren't any hanging vines. Like there were like things uh, mattered. And so like this, in this sequence, it mattered because again, it plays into the end and I'll get to that. So morning comes and then basically... Um, Baloo, or that's when Bagheera tells Baloo the whole story. Shere Khan is attacking, is coming for him. Akila's dead. And so Baloo recognizes he's right. The man village is the safest place for him. So Baloo basically shoes him away. Baloo basically tells him, look, I don't need you anymore. I don't want you around, blah, blah, blah. Just to get him, just to get Mowgli to leave. Mowgli climbs a tree, sits there and pouts. Then he's met, then he, then He's being he be, he get he begins being harassed by by a bunch of monkeys, and then that's when the monkeys take him away and they take him to King Louie. And so Bagheera and Baloo follow them. They climb this giant cliff, and Mowgli meets King Louie. Now here's the thing: we know King Louie is an orangutan, right? At least in the in the story, in this version, in this film, and I think I might know why they did this, but they made it so that. King Louis is in fact not just an orangutan, but he is actually an orangutan ancestor. He is a Gigantopithecus. Now, here's the thing with that: Gigantopithecus has been extinct for like three hundred thousand years, something like that. So, either, either this movie takes place like three five hundred thousand years in the past, which predates modern Homo sapiens, which is what Mowgli is. Or somehow, for some reason, this one lone Gigantopithecus has been hiding in the Indian jungle for the last several hundred thousand years. Don't know how, don't know why, but that's just sure. Why not? Anyway, so this is where King Louis gives him the whole spiel. He's like, I want, I have everything you'll ever need. I can protect you from anything. All I need is man's red flower which is what they call fire because otherwise uh it's interesting because i don't they didn't go with the direction that he wants to be more human but just that he wants power that king louis wants power specifically and of course he tells him he's like i can't mowgli says i can't because i don't know how to make fire i can't do it right but louis is you know whatever and then baloo shows up distracts them uh bagheera grabs Mowgli they all run away um 
Louis chases after them. They try and do the song, but again, it's it's not great. It's really not great. Like I'll I'll link videos to all the ver- to all the these versions of these songs, but like they're not they're not as fun. Cause like in the original, it's like this fun upbeat jazz number and everybody's dancing and it's great and everything, but I don't know. It's just it's very disappointing. And it's just a bit of a letdown because like these songs are great and they're fun, they're iconic, but they were just kind of meh in this version. I don't know. I mean like if they were trying to go for realism, they could still go for realism and still have the fun of the songs because you're already in a situation in which we'd have to dis- suspend we've had to suspend our disbelief in the fact that not only can this t- 10 or 12 year old boy survive in the jungle but he's also been raised by wolves and there's talking animals i mean like our our belief has already been suspended you can go ahead and throw in a dance number i mean like especially for an, for a song that's fun as fun and, and iconic as i want to be like you right i mean i don't know I understand what John Favreau was trying to do, and admittedly, the rest of the movie actually works really well as a film. It's just like knowing that these songs exist and knowing that what they should be and what they should sound like, and not having that payoff within this film is just a bit of a letdown. For me, it brings it down a couple notches, personally. Anyway, so everybody's running through. Uh, these ancient temple ruins. Um, and that's when uh, Louis tells Mowgli the fact that Akilah was killed by Shere Khan. So Mowgli confronts Bagheera about it, and Bagheera's like, I, we were going to tell you. And Mowgli was like, well, that's too bad. It's too late. And so he gets really mad, and he runs off. And he runs off to the man village, because... Baloo had actually taken him there, at least just to the outside of it, and showed him. He's like, this is where it is. Are you sure you want to go there? Better idea is you stay with me at least until winter, and then you can do whatever. So Mowgli goes to the man village. And it's interesting what they did here because he's just outside it. He sees it's at night. And so he sees a giant bonfire kind of in the middle of the village. And the way they frame it, is they frame it and show this fire as this big billowing thing and it looks super dangerous and it actually looks kind of scary. And I think they did a really good job of that because like if you've ever been like around a bonfire, you know it's it's not it's not scary, it's not dangerous, it's fully controlled, everything's fine. But like to an outsider, somebody who doesn't really know how fire works or and or how to to control it or how to treat it, it would look terrifying. And so the way that they filmed it and framed it within that shot, within that scene, does a really good job of being like, yeah, this is something that these creatures in the jungle absolutely fear and they have a right to fear it. So I think they did a really good job of that. So Mowgli sees a sconce with a flame in it. He steals it and he's running through the jungle. So he's running through the jungle because he wants to go back to his pack to go and fight Shere Khan. Now, of course, we have a problem is that there are embers that are falling from the sconce in the jungle. And so when Mowgli finally arrives, he confronts Shere Khan, and Shere Khan is like, they're not afraid of me. They're more afraid of you. And so Mowgli turns around, and he sees that a bunch of the jungle is actually now on fire, and he feels absolutely terrible, you know, which is valid. 
And so Shere Khan is basically spouting propaganda, being like, see, this is what I told you. He is now a man and blah, blah, blah. He's, he's you know, uh, uh, an enemy of the jungle kind of thing. So Mowgli decides instead, he's like, no. And so he throws the sconce into the river, putting the fire out. And, uh, yeah, and basically decides to try and fight Shere Khan. Uh, but Shere Khan basically is like trying to just trying to scare Mowgli, and being like, like you look look at you, you're all by yourself, you're all alone, you have no family, you have no friends, nothing. But this is when like basically everybody that is actually his friends comes forward. You know, Baloo, Bagheera, the rest of the wolf pack, and they're all beginning to to recite the law of the jungle, the one that we had earlier, that that we hear the wolves, that we heard the wolves recite. That was a good kind of callback into that moment, which I really liked. Anyway, and so everybody starts fighting Shere Khan one by one. Mowgli is like, Mowgli tries to fight, but Bagheera stops him. And he's like, I want to fight. I want to fight. And Bagheera's like, you can't. You're not a wolf. You can't fight like a wolf. Because Mowgli wants to fight with the rest of the pack. And so Bagheera tells him, he's like, look, you can't fight him like a wolf because you're not a wolf. So fight him like a man. And so Mowgli's like, okay. So he runs into the jungle. Shere Khan shakes off everybody that's attacking him. He chases after him. And this is where it gets really interesting because he, Mowgli, again, uh, it's a really cool moment because it definitely calls back into the whole him with his tricks and tools thing. So he finds a dead tree and he does a thing where he, uh, he, throw, he throws a vine and creates like a swing and he lures Shere Khan into the tree, into the dead tree, because he knows that the branches are weak. And so he fights, he doesn't fight him, but he like kind of uh, agitates him and is like, I'm not afraid of you and all this other stuff. And then jumps from the tree at, like right before it snaps. And so Shere Khan can't find his footing and he falls. And then Mowgli grabs the little swing thing that he, cre- that he built, that he made, and then is basically safe. And Shere Khan falls into the fire and dies. So that was another cool thing that they that that was a nice little build up and then callback and then uh, it was like a build up with the callback and the and the resolution of that like I I really like that they included that. Now, Mowgli uh, is kind of wrestling with the results of what had happened and what he did and then he, and then a bunch of elephants show up. So next thing he knows is. Or next thing they, uh, that everybody knows, they see Mowgli on the other side of the river on like this this cliff where a waterfall is, and they see him not only riding an elephant, but receiving the help of the elephants to redirect the river to the jungle to put out the flames. So it was again another thing that they had kind of built up, and then there was a payoff for. Structurally, this movie is good. There are buildups. There are payoffs. There's no real loose ends in this movie. It's quite it, it structurally it is a great film. Fast forward a little bit. Uh, Mowgli is kind of now accepted the fact that he's not a wolf. He's his own. He's he's a man. He's his own person, and he's doing that whole training thing that he did at the beginning of the movie with it with the wolves and Bagheera, and then the <laughs> his wolf uh, siblings who are now older. Are kind of like that's not fair, Mowgli. You can't do that. You, you know you have to stay with the pack. And Mowgli's like, well, I'm not a wolf, so you got to do what you got to do, and I'm doing what I got to do, kind of thing. Uh, again, kind of accepting himself more as who he is. And so we basically end the movie with 
uh, Mowgli continuing to live in the jungle. It's interesting that they decided to change the ending of this film from him going into the man village to him living and continuing to live in the jungle with the rest of his family. I think it was a, I think it works. I'm not disappointed by it. I like it. I like the ending. I generally do like this film. I think this film, this movie is good. Uh, I think it's probably one of the better, um, I guess, remakes that we've, that I've seen in recent years. I mean, at the very least, you know, at the very least, I like it when they try and do something different and make it different from the source material. That is something that I think should always be done if you're going to come and revisit something old. Because otherwise, why bother? You have the same thing. Like, there's no point, right? I think it's better to come at something and be like, we're going to do a remake of this movie, but we're going to do something different with it. We're going to retell this story in a new and exciting way. And I think they did a good job of that with The Jungle Book. Or with with the John Favreau with the 2016 Jungle Book, um, so with that, let's see let's see what we got here in terms of uh, oh funny thing is is like um, when the movie ends it it like it uh, the scene changes to like a like a pencil etching of uh, Mowgli Bagheera and Baloo in a tree and then it pans out and then a book closes and it's the Jungle Book book from like the animated version which I thought was just a really cool kind of callback type thing. Um, and then it comes into uh, I Want to Be Like You, the actual, like it's it's almost a post-credits scene, but it's more like a during the credits scene because the credits are run, uh, the credits are rolling, but then the book opens and it and it shows the ruins where uh, where we thought that uh, King Louis had died because it all fell on top of him. But I guess him being a Gigantopithecus, you know, he's big and so he it, he wasn't actually crushed. And then from there, he starts singing the actual song itself. And it's like a fun little thing where uh, the pages are turning and uh, some of the other characters are showing up. And that's where they show, like, what animal was voiced by which person and that sort of thing. Um, the budget of this movie was between $175, $177 million. Box office, it made $966.6 million. Like, I think it did pretty good. <laughs> I think it did fine. Uh I mean, I'm pretty sure this was like the first, uh, the first of the John Favreau remakes, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, so uh, it was a sleeper hit. Uh, it briefly held the record for the biggest remake of all time until the studio's own Beauty and the Beast surpassed it the following year. Okay, so yeah, so this was the first one I think because it was before Beauty and the Beast, and I vaguely remember the two of them being pretty close together. Um. Yeah, it, it seemed to do pretty okay just in general across the board. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, um, film holds 94%. Uh, it's 7.7 out of 10 average rating. And honestly, that's about what I would give it. Like, I'd give it like a 7 or an 8 out of 10. Again, the movie is actually structurally really, really well put together. Uh, it, I think it does a really, really good job. And visually, it's beautiful. Like, that's that's just kind of... A given it's just visually it's a beautiful movie but i think it just it it helps the fact that this film uh as a movie in terms of its writing and its structure all makes sense and is all actually really really good so uh yeah i would highly recommend it um but again if you want to watch it for the animated uh or for the musical numbers just 
go back to the original because yeah but again as a movie i think it's great i highly recommend it i think everyone should watch it uh it it like the rest of everything else that we talk about on this podcast is available on disney plus and yeah watch it let's see what you have to say uh but until then next week uh next week so here's the funny thing so there is another weird uh kind of jungle book story uh it's called the jungle book Mowgli story uh it's a live action film that i think is supposed to take place while Mowgli is in the jungle um it's supposed to be a live action sequel to the 1967 animated feature so i'm gonna watch that and then we're gonna cover that next week i'm fully expecting a disaster (laughs) so like i don't have i don't have very high expectations for this thing it was released in 1998 i don't know we'll find out so that'll be next week (laughs) but until then i hope you all have a wonderful week and yeah just you know be good to yourselves drink water take your meds eat you know, do some exercise, whatever you need to do. But yeah, till then, bye.